Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 28 of Crime Time for Monday, August 13th on FayObserver.com, featuring Fayetteville Observer, police and crime reporter Nancy McCleary. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news. And a reminder, anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. A scary scene about 2.30 in the morning on Sunday, August 12th, a man covered in blood was seen at the Marathon gas station at the intersection of Country Club Drive and Rose Hill Road. He was not injured. So, Nancy, why all of the blood? The blood may have been that of his 72-year-old grandfather. The man at the gas station was 31-year-old Damer Dobbins of Cranbrook Cranbrook Drive. He has been charged with first-degree murder and the stabbing death of his grandfather, 72-year-old George Dobbins, also of Cranbrook Drive. So how exactly did uh, Fayetteville police arrive, arrive at that allegation? When speaking with Damer Dobbins at the gas station, officers determined that his last known address was on the 3300 block of Cranbrook Drive. Officers went to that address. After several unsuccessful attempts to get someone to answer the door, they found an unsecured door and went in to check. There, Fayetteville police located the body of George Dobbins. He had been stabbed. Well, now what about the grandson who has been charged with killing his grandfather? Police say Damer Dobbins is being held in the Cumberland County Jail without bail. In our next story, did Arthur Kenzie Garner fire shots at Moore County lawmen or not? Soon after the July 28th incident that resulted in Garner's shooting death, the answer was yes. Now Moore County Sheriff Neil Godfrey says no. Garner did not shoot at officers who were responding to a domestic incident in the early morning hours at Garner's home in Aberdeen. However, Sheriff Godfrey told WRAL that based upon statements made by Garner's father, Terry Garner, that he believes Arthur Garner attempted to shoot his weapon. Godfrey added in his statement to WRAL on Saturday, August 12th, that Terry Garner, the father, found unfired ammunition that showed signs that the firing pin had struck the bullets. Garner's family said shortly after his death that they doubted he fired any shots. Sheriff Godfrey now agrees with that. So based on that description, one would think perhaps that officers may have seen Arthur Garner point a gun at them, and that's when they uh, fired killing him. What's the status of the investigation into the shooting now? The State Bureau of Investigation is continuing to look into the shooting as is standard procedure in officer-involved shootings. The Moore County deputies, Sergeant Sean Ballard, Corporal Dustin Hussey, Stephanie Griffin, and Justin Mack remain on administrative leave pending the results of the SBI probe. And we'll see how that turns out. It will be interesting to learn what the Moore County Sheriff's Office investigation shows and what the SBI has to say later on.
Well, we've all heard of the terrorist organization ISIS, the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, sometimes referred as ISIL, the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. The group has been behind several terrorist attacks around the world and has its stronghold in the Middle East. A former Eastover resident who is alleged, an alleged supporter of ISIS has been sentenced to two years in federal prison on fraud and tax charges. That's the word from the Office of the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of North Carolina. Hussein Bacher Ghoul is a former employee at the Snack Attack convenience store on Bragg Boulevard in Fayetteville. He pleaded guilty in November to attempted unlawful procurement of naturalization and making false statements on his tax returns. So then what happens after his time behind bars? Ghoul is a native of Tunisia. Authorities say he will be deported upon his release from prison. And Nancy, how did law enforcement find out about Ghoul and, and eventually arrest him and then it go to trial? Ghoul entered the United States in 2001 on a tourist visa. He overstayed his visa and married a U.S. citizen. He later divorced the woman. Then he obtained status as a legal permanent resident. In April 2014, the FBI was made aware of a photo posted online by Gould that, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, quote, explicitly displayed support for ISIS. The picture showed a person holding a sign with a line written in Arabic that said the victory of the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. Below that was written in English, ISIS and North Carolina with just the N, Carolina, USA. Authorities say the picture appeared later in an online propaganda video posted by others in an attempt to display the worldwide support for ISIS. Now, I understand that uh, court documents say that uh, Gould's Facebook account was in an Arabic name and showed support for terrorist group. Gould was living in Cumberland County at that time. And on the Facebook page, Gould, who was using a different name, described himself, among other things, as, quote, extremist, terrorist, tough, brainwashed, radical, beheading the enemy, and am among the supporters of establishing the religion with the sword, end quote. Wow, that is uh, scary stuff indeed. Authorities also say that during a February 2017 interview as part of his application for U.S. citizenship, that he made false statements. You know, Nancy, this next story we're going to discuss kind of caught my attention while perusing the paper. Two Fayetteville men used a forged prescription to obtain oxycodone at a Stedman pharmacy last week. Almost got away with it, too. Explain. The men, Alec Neri Ferguson and Tyshone Marquise McNeil, both of Wedgwood Drive, were thwarted after alert employees at Stedman Pharmacy notified law enforcement. Cumberland County Sheriff's deputies arrived at the pharmacy just as the two men were trying to drive away. So let me make sure I understand that the two men actually had a prescription for the, uh, the drug. Correct. Um, they had a prescription. The Cumberland County Sheriff's Office said that McNeil had a prescription for 30 oxycodone tablets, with the forged signature of Vicki Farmer, who was a physician assistant at Eastover Family Care. Deputies searched the vehicle in which McNeil and Ferguson were trying to leave leave in and found more prescriptions for contro- controlled substances, and they found the, they were forged prescriptions. 
Well, you know, of course, oxycodone is a powerful and addictive pain medication. Unfortunately, its use and distribution is often a problem out there on the streets, and it looked like it was, in this case, good work by the people at the pharmacy. A Texas woman, Tanya Torn Gajanasek, has been sentenced to a year in federal prison for sending death threats via electronic devices to a Fort Bragg soldier, according to the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of North Carolina. Let me just say that I had a call from a man who said this was like fiction, that he could not believe it, but it's true. Well, The soldier, identified only as D.C., was married to the woman at the time. He was stationed at Fort Bragg when he began getting threatening text messages on his phone in 2015. He was visiting the woman in 2016 at her Ohio home when he attempted to drive his vehicle, only to find that someone had cut the brake lines. He also became ill during this visit and believed he had been drugged. And there were more text messages that uh, came after these incidents? Oh, yes. According to evidence, one read, the breaks and the poisons were me and your dumb expletive mm, can't <laughs> <laughs> and your dumb expletive can't figure it out. Another read, there is a surprise coming for you, which is to die for. Another read, I hope you like it, followed by a smiley face emoji. There were others as well, according to investigators. Meanwhile, Gunjanasak who has a medical degree, was in fact practicing medicine. Well, let's turn to the crime blotter as we wrap it up here on Crime Time. Four Harnett County suspects have been arrested in connection with the shooting death of Rodney Wells. Wells was shot Friday, August 10th, outside of his residence between Irwin and Coates, according to the Harnett County Sheriff's Office. Deldred Maurice Hines, Cody Keene Pope, Crystal Lee Chestnut and Justina Amber Moore, all of Irwin, have been charged. Hines has been charged with murder, the other three for being accessories after the fact. Andrew Delroy Bentick of Fayetteville has been arrested for a robbery and shooting in Hope Mills, according to an arrest warrant in the Cumberland County Magistrate's Office. Bentick was armed with a handgun, and he is accused of robbing two men of a plastic bag containing what is believed to be a narcotic drug. During the robbery, Bentick is accused of shooting one of the men in the chest. According to court documents, Bentick had been out on pretrial release for a federal firearms offense prior to this um, uh, alleged robbery and shooting. Well, Nancy, that's it for episode 28 of Crime Time for Monday, August 13th. We welcome your comments and suggestions for Crime Time. You can reach me, Nancy McCleary, and that's McCleary with two C's, by email at nmcleary at fayobserver.com or Twitter at F-O underscore McCleary. And don't forget that underscore. You can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at F-O Sonny Jones. Again, thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.